the perspective of saying, God, I've got a big problem, and get some transformation in your heart where you start saying, problem, I've got a great big God. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. This is a new series we're beginning this morning called Crazy Faith. The title of this message today is called Unlimited Possibility. Say those words with me. Unlimited Possibility. Our series text, we will refer to this for the next four Sundays. This is number one in a four-message series that I'm doing called Crazy Faith. And this text will set us into, it'll be the springboard that we'll move from every Sunday. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. This is from a new new translation of the scripture. It's been around for about a year. It's called the Passion Translation. Any of you who are familiar with Louis Giglio and the Passion Movement, they just packed out a stadium with 65,000 college kids uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day for a couple of days for leadership, just seeking the Holy Spirit for a revival in the United States of America. And so this translation is the one that I'm reading through the Bible in this year. I do different ones all the time just for the pure shock value because I've read through the Bible every year since I was 18 and I'm 59. I just had my 59th birthday, December 28th um, last year. It was 1960 when I was born. And so from the time I was 18 forward, I've read it through every year, some years twice. So I know that I'm probably at, at about... 45, 46, 47 times through the scripture. And every time I read it, I see something that I didn't see before. Even though I read those words, um, and something will jump off the page that is timely for what I'm dealing with right now. How many of you are thankful for the word of God? Somebody say amen. Ephesians 3.20, the Bible says, it says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. Everybody say, accomplish all this. Now, just stop right there. Leave it on the screen. I want to go back and put the context in what Paul is writing in this powerful third chapter of the book of Ephesians. It was a prison epistle to relate to what Carla is saying. Paul was in prison, and he's writing to the church at Ephesus, of which his young disciple, Timothy, is the pastor. They've had a major move of God. There's, um, it's, a, it's a Mediterranean city with idolatrous temples in it. They're serving uh, the goddess Diana, greatest Diana of the Ephesians. Remember in Acts chapter 19, they're trying to defend the goddess that they worship. And so God has, the God, capital G, the God above all gods, has sent these people into Ephesus and a mighty church of thousands. History tells us that that church grew to literally be 50,000 people as part of that congregation. And so this was right around the, 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 the birth of the whole New Testament church, the time of Paul's missionary journeys. And so Ephesus becomes a major center of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes in the third chapter, he says in verse 14, now just listen, it's not on the screen. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father capital F Father, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on the earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Now, hear all of the superlative adjectives that Paul is using 
in this passage. And they're there just in a little bit older Elizabethan English when you read it in the King James. But I love this new Passion translation. He goes on in verse 17 to say, Then by constantly using your faith, everybody say faith. By constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. Listen, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. You ought to be getting encouraged already just hearing these amazing words about what God's doing inside of you as a believer. Now, that all was said to set up this verse. Now let's read our series text together. Here we go. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and say it. Everything we just read, God's enduring and inclusive love, his supernatural and divine might and explosive power, all these things we've been reading, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. Read with me out loud. Here we go. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now, if you feel like you hadn't been to church unless you hear everything in King Jimmy, King James says it this way, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. Now, we've got some power on the inside of us that's working And the scripture says that we serve a God who is able to do beyond whatever we can ask or think. Whatever you can think, God can outdo it. Whatever you can come up with. And so in the beginning of 2020, I'm here today just to take the word and just stir the pot of your hope. And just say, God, give us some fresh hope. And God, give us a new understanding of some crazy faith. Some crazy faith that will trust God for what everybody else says is impossible. We'll believe God. We'll believe that he is able to do exceeding abundantly. We'll believe that he will be able to, beyond our most unbelievable dream and exceed our wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. If you actually believe that, you'd get up in the morning and the devil would go, oh my God, he's awake. Have mercy. She is awake and out of the bed. I mean, that's what's supposed to happen. He's supposed to run and and flee from you. But we live so far beneath our privilege as sons and daughters of God because we live out of the memory of the old man, the old life. And you know what? I've got a new man on the inside of me, and his name is Christ. Come on, somebody. And I've got a new identity, and I've got a new place. I have a new relationship. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Somebody say amen. Last verse of this glorious chapter, Paul says, Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. 
wrap all this up together in every bit of praise that we can even muster throughout the ages. That's how much praise God deserves because he's going to blow your mind in this year of double. Double for your trouble. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. One thing, one thing. Biblical faith is trust in God's character and confidence in his ability to do what he says. Say it like you mean it. Come on. Biblical faith is trust in God's character and confidence in his ability to do what he says. Look at your neighbor and say, God is able. That's his power. God is willing. That's his heart toward you. He's able. He can do it. He's willing. He wants to do it. Come on, somebody. Bow your hearts with me for a word of prayer. Father, help us today. Jesus, thank you for this time together in your word. We've celebrated in remembrance of you and your death, your burial, your resurrection. Thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that was shed for us. You've given us now what the Apostle Peter says, like precious faith as brothers and sisters. Give us this few moments, Lord, to stir our hearts, to remind us of the unlimited possibility, the enduring and inclusive love of God that is in our hearts, the magnificent divine might and explosive power that you put in our spirits. Let us take a few moments, Father, just to remember who you are and to remember who we belong to. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Very quickly this morning, three basics of belief. Three basics of belief. Having crazy faith is not about discovering some esoteric hidden revelation that is for an elite few. No, this is broadly given to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. There is unlimited potential and possibility and capacity that is inside you as a believer because you have the unlimited one inside you. You have the greater one inside you. The Bible says that you are of God little children and you've overcome the evil one, the wicked one, 1 John 4, 4, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Look at your neighbor and say, I have the greater one in me. If you've got the greater one inside of you, that's all you need. You and God are a majority. Somebody say amen. Three basics of belief that are for every believer. Number one, faith is the currency of the kingdom. Currency is the medium of exchange. You'll go to lunch today. You may put down a debit card or a credit card, or you may take out cash. This is real currency. And you may pay for the meal and tip the waiter or the waitress. Currency is a medium of exchange in a government that is recognized whereby we're able to trade, we're able to do business, we buy supplies and resources and sustenance. The kingdom of God has currency whereby things are brought to bear. And that currency in the kingdom of God is faith. Everybody say faith. Crazy faith is what we're talking about this morning. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Mark chapter 5 verse 34 tells us the story of the little woman with the issue of blood who for 12 years spent everything she had going to all manner of doctors looking for a cure. I don't want to be crass. This was not an oozing sore. This She had a menstrual cycle that never ended. It wasn't once a month. It was 12 years long. And because of the constant bleeding... Under the Old Testament law, she was called unclean, and if she came into public without wearing a veil and crying the word unclean before her, then she could be stoned because of being unclean in the presence of other people. And so she finally got so fed up 
so desperate, reached a place of desperation where she no longer cared what anybody else thought about her, and she moved out into the crowd of people. Because this prophet, this evangelist, this healer, could it possibly be the Messiah has come to town and everybody he touches, their lives are transformed. The news had noised abroad. It had echoed out into the corridors of Galilee and Judea and everybody who encountered Jesus, their lives were changed and transformed. And she said with her mouth, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And she took a risk. Somebody asked me one time, how do you spell faith? And I said, R-I-S-K. Faith is a risk. Faith is throwing your leg over the side of the boat at the call, the beckon of Jesus that says, Peter, get out of the boat and come walk to, the, walk to me on the water. And the rest of the disciples have him by the arm on the other side. Peter, you better get your carcass back in this boat, boy. That's Jesus. You're not Jesus. Jesus called me, Peter said, and there's a risk involved. Anytime you step out on faith, there is some unknown. Otherwise, it wouldn't be faith. If everything is established, if the structure is set, if the program is in place, if it's just capital A, this is the main point, one, two, three subset points, if you know exactly how it's going to happen, if it's all lined out for you in the contract, then there's no faith required because it's basically guaranteed. But when you don't know everything that's going to happen in the next moment, but you hear the call of the Father who says, I have unlimited blessing and love and mercy, and everything about me is described in a superlative. My mercy is everlasting. My love is unconditional. My power can't be measured. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm trying to encourage you a little bit and inject a little bit of hope into you in this year of double, in the beginning of 2020, because God wants to give you double for your trouble for what you've been through. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. And the scripture says in one verse, I've told you the story. She walks out into this crowd if I had time this morning, I, I, I did this years ago, and I had five or six guys up here, and my big self, I'm trying to be the little woman with the issue of blood, and I'm crawling around on my knees, and I'm trying to reach in to the middle of all the... Can you imagine this little bitty frail, probably less than 90-pound little woman who for 12 years has wasted all of her resources trying to get well, and all the doctors have taken advantage of her, and she's on her wit's end. She's, she's her last bit of hope. She says, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And against all odds, against the demand of Old Testament law, she ventures her way out into the crowd. This is like Times Square on New Year's Eve. There's a throng of people. Everybody say throng. Now, I didn't say thong. I said a throng. Pastor, you shouldn't have said that. Yeah, I woke you up, okay? Throng, a throng. He's being thronged. They're pressing to, on Jesus from every side. Folk are packed in like a can of sardines. They're elbow to elbow. They're one, touching one another. And all of a sudden, Jesus looks around and he says, Somebody touched me. And the disciples looked at him with indignation and going, You must be outside your mind, Master. Everybody's being touched around here. We're, we're, we're jostling against each other because everybody's trying to vie for some time with you, get your attention. They want to touch you. Folk are touching you all over the place. And Jesus said, no, there's a difference. Something went out of me. There was a touch that touched me that had some faith attached to it because that faith made a demand on my ability. 
and something that was something withdrew, something made a withdrawal from the deposit of the virtue, the dunamis, the power of God on the inside of me. Jesus said, I felt virtue go out of me. And he looked around at a little woman who was trembling out of fear and reverence, but whole and healed now. The scripture says, as soon as she touched the hem of his garment, because of what she said and because of what she did, the Bible says she was made well. This is Jesus' response. Daughter, because you dared to believe. How many of you are going to take the dare and just believe God in spite of whatever you're facing in 2019? 2020 is going to be different. Daughter, because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. Now, I want to be careful here because we know Jesus healed her, but her faith is what made the demand on Jesus to heal her. Come on. Jesus walked by folk all day long, sick folk. There were people he walked by that didn't get healed. He didn't touch everybody. Jesus is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't have favorites. He doesn't pick one over everybody else. No, Jesus is drawn to people who have faith in his ability. And so when we release, when we release our trust, what did we say biblical faith was? Biblical faith is trust in God's character and confidence in his ability to do what he says. And when I say, God, I put my trust in you and I thank you, faith goes in and grabs a hold of and makes a withdrawal from the thing that you need and God's unlimited resources all of a sudden fill you up and transform the circumstances of your life. Somebody put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Your faith has healed you. The scripture says, go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. I love this phrase. Your faith has made you well. This was a repeated phrase that Jesus used numerous times throughout all the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There was a story of a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus who's sitting by the side of the road, and there's a crowd following Jesus, and here comes the parade, and Jesus is passing by. And the closer Jesus gets, Bartimaeus can hear it with his, with his hearing. He can't see it with his eyes. But God has opened his spiritual eyes because he knows that what's about to pass by is the fulfillment of the promise of God, the grace greater son of David is about to pass by in front of him. And blind Bartimaeus says, oh, son of David, have mercy on me. And all the folks are around him are, are getting exasperated. I was on the, fly, on the plane to fly to Fort Worth Christmas Day after we did our Christmas Eve service here. And there was a precious little baby sitting right behind me that I know that the little baby's ears were hurting because of the pressure in the cabin because I had to continually clear my ears because it would hurt. And I know that baby doesn't know how to do that. And I'm right in front of, next seat in front of, and this is a sweet little couple that holding this precious baby and they're trying to feed and they're trying to do everything. That baby screamed the whole hour and five minutes on the flight that I flew to Fort Worth. And I never said a word. I just would close my eyes and pray, and Lord, help that baby, because I know that baby's ears are hurting. I knew that. I had, I had mercy. But one time that baby let out a blood-curdling war cry, and I jumped. It scared me so bad. And, and, and I'm, I'm feeling, you can feel the tension on the plane. It was palpable. Folk were wanting to say, do something. How many of you know you've been in awkward circumstances like that? Well, that's, that's multiply this numerous times over. Folk were going, Bartimaeus, come on, Bart, hush. Shh. Look at your neighbor and go, shh. So everybody shushed Bart. 
Even the disciples himself tried to quiet him down. And the scripture says that he screamed louder all the more. How many of you know when everybody tries to cool you off and chill you down and get you to come on, settle down now, you're getting a little too radical. You're getting a little too radical in your faith. How many of you know that's when you need to turn it up just another notch? Now, I'm talking about getting God's attention. I'm not talking about being attention-seeking with people or churchy or something like that. You know, just in the words we speak, there's a time and there's a place and there's an appropriate way to make your declaration of faith. You don't want to cast your pearls before swine. There's no sense going in quoting a whole chapter of Scripture while you're shopping at Kroger. People will call the, the paddy wagon for you, and they'll... They'll dress you up in a fashionable white coat that'll buckle and it'll pull your arms around you and you'll feel real warm and cozy. But there's no sense in, I'm not talking about that kind of crazy. I'm using crazy faith in the sense that the, the younger generation talks about, man, that was an, an amazing thing we just saw. It was crazy awesome. How many of you ever heard folk describe things that way? Man, the, 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 the music, the worship was just crazy amazing. It was great, you know, praise God. And when you use that word crazy like that, it's a superlative adjective which is describing saying, man, it was just over the top. It was wonderful. It was indescribable. Crazy faith, I believe, is what God is looking for with people that are put their trust in him for God to do what everybody else says is impossible. Somebody say amen. Blind Bartimaeus, 10 lepers who got healed and one came back to thank Jesus. And Jesus said, rise and be well for your faith has made you whole. Say the phrase with me. Come on, here we go. Your faith has made you well, whole, healed. Jesus uses it over and over and over because faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Biblical faith is trust in God's character and confidence in his ability to do what he says. How do I get this currency? How do I get uh, an overload of it? How can I fill up my spiritual bank account with the currency of the kingdom of God? How do I get it? Point number two. The scripture says in Acts 6-7, in the biblical revival of the New Testament church being birthed, uh, Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, preaches like a man possessed by God. 3,000 are saved. A couple days later, preaching again, 5,000 are saved. And the scripture goes on to describe the revival of the new church, the early New Testament church. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, it says, God's word reigned supreme and kept spreading. Everybody say, kept spreading. The number of Jesus' followers in Jerusalem quickly grew and increased by, by the day, even a great number of Jewish priests became believers and were obedient to the faith. So your faith, this currency of the kingdom, is tied to God's word in your life. Does God's word reign supreme in your life? How do I get faith? The scripture says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, God has given or dealt to every man, this is King James, given to every man, dealt to every man the measure of faith. I don't think... That, that some are given more and you were standing behind the door when God handed out faith. I think we all start out with the measure. It's a standard, the standard of the measurement, the measure of faith. And I think what you do with it determines whether that faith grows or whether it dwindles. You don't use muscles over a period of time, then they begin to atrophy and deteriorate and your functional strength decreases. But you pick up and begin to use them. You experience some soreness. They start stretching and they start growing and your strength increases. What you use multiplies. Okay? You learn a foreign language, but you never speak it. Guess what? In a few years, you will have forgotten 90% of what you learn. You may, may be able to como esta usted or parlez-vous français or whatever you do, but that'll be about all you've got. 
and to be able to remember because you don't speak it regularly. You don't communicate it. And what you don't use doesn't grow. What you don't use deteriorates. What you use multiplies. Somebody say amen. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, you're familiar with this at Victory. You are a word people. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. A newer translation says faith comes by the message of Christ. By hearing the message of Christ. What is that? That's the gospel. The good news. It is the good news that Jesus, the God-man, is king now. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords and he has come to reverse the curse. Everything that was under the curse because of sin and death and the law that was against us, Jesus took it to the cross, nailed it to the tree, took it into the ground, buried it, got up out of the grave victorious over death without it and left all those accusations and everything under the curse of the law of sin and death is still buried in the grave and you are now free in the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Hearing that stirs something up. It stirs up your hope. It gives you a fresh perspective on what God can do in your life, what he's able to do. The book of James says we have not because we ask not. It amazes me sometimes when people talk to me about problems and I say, well, have you prayed? Well, no, I guess I've tried everything else. I guess I ought to pray about it, preacher. And I just want to slap the holy out of them. Slap the holiness into them. Why, why do we do that? Come on, we're, we're people of the word. We're people of prayer. Why do we do everything else and wait to last to pray? What would it be like if we would consult the Spirit of God and make God our first priority and make the word of God first priority and we would go to it first and see what it says first before we consult everybody else who is an expert at fixing our problem? I'm, I'm going to leave that alone and move on. Hearing is critical. What are you paying attention to? What are you listening to? Too many opportunities in the 21st century. There are podcasts by anointed men and women of God that will teach you the word of the Lord, that will build you up and strengthen you in your most holy faith. There are too many opportunities I don't like to read, somebody said. Guess what? Get an app on your phone that's free called YouVersion, and they will read it to you. You can even pick the accent of the person reading it to you. I was in the car with Abby the other day, and she said something to Siri, and it's just kind of a sexy British accent. I said, what's up with that? Siri's a woman in, to me, which is fine. And I said, so how did you pick this she said, well, you didn't know you could pick. And it's kind of Australian accent. I said, okay, baby, whatever you like. So, you know, you can, you can, you can put your little iPad or your little phone or whatever. You, you, you don't want to take the time. Guess what? In your commute to work. Come on, you can, you can get a whole chapter of God's Word read to you, and you can have a whole perspective that changes that's different when you walk into your boss, into your job with faith, with positivity, with expectation, instead of frustrated and angry and ready to hurt somebody. How many of you know why I'm telling you the truth this morning? <laughs> Biblical faith is trust in God's character and confidence in his ability to do what he says. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. How do I get it? I get in the word. So point number three, we're going to commit to the word in 2020. Never done a read-through? This is your year. Never done a read-through the Bible? 
Maybe you're not that much of a reader. Maybe it's not a good season in your life where you're so crazy busy. Just make a commitment to get through it in the next three years. You can choose a three-year plan on new version. You can choose a two-year plan. You can choose a one-year plan. You can choose a six-month plan. You can choose a 90-day plan. Now, you do that, you're going to be reading 10 or 11 chapters a day, and that's going to take you about an hour. Nobody's suggesting you devote that much time. Now, let me just say this. You'll Netflix and chill for four or five hours. I don't know why you can't get in the Word of God for 15 minutes. Are y'all hearing me this morning? It's crazy how our priorities are so messed up. When you get desperate enough that you're willing to walk out into a crowd and say, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, maybe you're not dealing with a weakening iron deficiency disease like the little woman was, but there's something in your life that's stumping you. There's something in your life that's bigger than you currently are yourself. And so it's going to mean you're calling on God and no longer mealy-mouthing your way around the backside of the throne of God. What does the Scripture say? That we can with boldness come before the throne of God whereby we, we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You are a king's kid. You're the son of God. You're the, you're the daughter of God. Come on. Well, I, I just don't think that's, has a, there's no humility in that. Let me tell you, the most humble thing you can do is realize who you are and act like it. doesn't mean you're over the top, but it means because you know that you're a son of the king, a daughter of the king, that you don't have to just false humility, kind of religiously weave your way, mealy-mouth your way in behind the backside of God's throne and go, Lord, I just know you've got other bigger things to think about, but maybe if it's your will, would you maybe think about helping me out? No, God pays attention when you stand and say, Father, your word says this, and I'm your son. I thank you for what Jesus did for me, what he's already done, and by faith I take hold of this in Jesus' name. Y'all hearing me? We live so far beneath our privilege as children of God. Because we are beat down. We are, we, are, we, are, we are consumed with this culture around us. I, I, I want you to make a commitment in 2020 to get into the Word. Make a commitment to get through it this year. To open the book and say, God, show me your Word. Teach me, Holy Spirit. You don't need a Bible school degree. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, the greatest teacher is on the inside of you. Ready to teach you right now. Abraham Lincoln said, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And you know, that's true in the Spirit as well. When you get hungry enough, the Spirit of God will show up to teach you what you need to learn. Come on, somebody. Are you getting anything out of this? Last scripture, and I'm finished. Proverbs 4 says it this way. Listen carefully, my dear child, verse 20, to everything that I teach you. And say it with me, and what? Pay attention to all that I have to say. Read the words in bolden. Fill your thoughts with my words until... They penetrate deep into your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. I'm 18 years old, freshman year at college, Arkansas State University, and every morning I left my dorm with a three-by-five card in my pocket with anywhere from one to four or five scriptures written on that card that in between classes, if I didn't see a friend that I would talk to, 
I would be waiting for the classes to change, and I would pull out the card. And if I was by myself, I didn't, I didn't make a spectacle, but I would barely under my breath mutter the words, just for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure on earth and vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. Second Corinthians 4, 6, 7. I'm just pulling from memory. Every day. I'm still writing scriptures on three by five cards. I've got them on my desk at home right now. Scriptures. Hiding the word. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I treasure it. I guard it. I value it. It's precious. It's weighty. It's valuable. Well, yeah, but you're a preacher. I rebuke that stupid lie from hell that says that's something only preachers do. When you get desperate enough for God to move in your life, you'll start doing things you've never done before. Matter of fact, if you want 2020 to be different, you're going to have to do something different in your daily routine than you've ever done before. I pity the fool that has the same year every year for 75 years and calls that a life. That's not a life. That's drudgery. 2020 can be great blessing and outpouring. It can be unlimited possibility in your life. But look at me right now. Come on, front and center. Look at me right now in the eyes. This year in 2020, nothing is going to change in your life if nothing changes in your life. Don't look at me cross-eyed like that. Come on, God has done everything for you, and he's given you all the tools you need to just say, look, who who, who will come aside and attend to my word and will put my word first instead of doing everything else and then going to the word and saying, well, I've tried it all. I guess it's time to pray. What if we actually become people or believers who do what we say we do, and we say, Father, I've got a critical decision. Show me your wisdom. I need wisdom. I'm not smart enough in my own strength, but I know that in Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. And he's in me, which means all that wisdom and knowledge in him is in me. Unlock it, Lord. Reveal it. Show me. Manifest. Open my eyes to see what I can't see. We were sitting here in worship. Pastor Haley was leading communion, and I called Josh over. I called Josh. I said, go back there to the green room and get microphone. I left it back there because it's, I didn't realize it's black. It's a black stem. It's got a black windscreen on it. And it's sitting right here. iPad that's right in front of me. It's sitting in front of me and I couldn't see it. Folk, the answer to your problem right now is right in front of you, but you will only see it with the eyes of faith. He walked in there to get it. And I looked around, and, and I looked, leaned forward, and I said, oh, I hope he didn't stay out too long because he's got to lead this next song. And I reached, and I got it, and I saw him come to. I've got it right here. I just couldn't see it. How many of you know God's provision is right in front of you? At the moment, you might not be able to see it, but you've got to keep looking. Are you hearing me? Three quick things. Number one, develop the word habit. How, how does that work for you? You may not be a three-by-five card person. You may read one chapter a day. You may read a verse and just, just chew that like an orange, getting all the juice out of it. Chew that one verse up, up and down and just get every bit of life and juice out of that thing that you can get. But 
establish a word habit somehow. Develop the word habit this year in 2020. Number two, get it in you. Memorize it. Hear it read out loud to you. Speak it out loud yourself. And that's number three, my my last point this morning. Speak it. Communicate it. The prophet Isaiah said, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, empty. It shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I have sent it. God has spoken his word. Now he's put it in your heart and in your mouth. Let it come out of your mouth. I challenge you in 2020 to commit to the word, to order, to set a guard before your lips and determine that the words that come out of your mouth are not just null and void. And every idle word Jesus said will be judged for. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Stop all the mindless chatter. Get out of the gossip team at work. Quit cursing the business you work for. What would it be like if you actually went to work with a good attitude and said, God bless this company. God bless this company so they can give me a promotion and so they can increase me and give me a raise in 2020. What if we stopped criticizing that boss or that supervisor and we started praying for them and we became a problem solver instead of a problem creator? Oh, you've quit preaching and started meddling now, Pastor. Look at your neighbor and say, he's preaching real good. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that if you speak this with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, this story about this Jesus, Son of God, God the Son, who came and lived a perfect life, and he loved you so much that as Pastor Haley said this morning during communion, he became the sin-bearer, sinless himself, but he bore the sins of the world. And if we would, by faith, reach out and call on his name, it says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth... Confession is made into salvation. It's not enough just to believe it in your heart. The scripture says you cut a covenant. You establish a heavenly contract when you say with your words, Jesus, save me, I trust you. Next verse says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So heads bowed and eyes closed right now as we close this service. I hope you've been blessed. I hope you've gotten something out of this. God is looking for people with crazy faith people that will trust him in spite of impossible odds, people that will look to him this year and say, God, I'm hungry for your word. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit. I choose my words. I'm going to speak positively and prophetically your promises over my life. You know what? It begins with the very first one this morning in acknowledging Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. If you've never surrendered to Jesus as Lord of your life, as Savior of your heart. This is your moment. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. And if that's you and you're ready to say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I'm desperate. My life is jacked up and it's a mess. You know what? Jesus can take that and turn it all around. If that's you this morning, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call anybody to the front, but right where you are is an altar. You can come to the altar with the open arms of the Father right there where you're sitting. If that's you and you'd like me to pray for you, just slip your hand up. It's dark. The heads heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Slip your hand up. I want to pray for you right now. Anybody in the room? Yes, there's a hand. Thank you. Went way up high. Anyone else? 
Yes, another one over here on this side. That's two. One in the middle. That's three. Thank you so very much. You can put your hands down. We're excited that God is moving in your heart. This is an amazing moment for you. And the whole congregation, I want to say to you, if, if there is anything in you that has resonated that says this year can be different, God can bless me with double. My faith has been stirred. I'm going to commit to the word. I'm going to speak and communicate the word of God. If you're ready to make a commitment to do that, slip your hand up. I want to see your hands all across the room. Come on. Come on. There you go. Yes, all around the room. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this people. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this new year, this opportunity. We boldly recognize that nothing changes if nothing changes. Change us, Holy Spirit. Help us to begin to take new steps that we've never taken before. We don't want to keep doing what we've always done, getting what we've always gotten. Help us to be men and women of purpose and faith in the Word. Help us to put our trust in your promises to know that biblical faith is trusting in God's character and confidence in your ability to do what you say you'll do. Lord, blow our minds this year as we lean into you. Lord, for those who slip their hand up to say, I'm ready to surrender my heart and my life to Jesus as Savior and Lord, I want you to pray these words after me out loud. And I want to ask the whole congregation, let's join with these three. And I think there was actually a fourth one. Uh, that lifted their hands as they make a new step of faith, as they believe in their heart this story, and as they speak it with their mouth, God is going to do something miraculous in their lives right now. Come on, congregation, pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. I've heard your word. I stand upon it. It is true. Jesus, I cry out to you. Save me. I trust you. I turn from my past. I turn to you in faith. I take hold of the promises of God. Thank you for your grace that saves me. Change my heart. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said,